All right, welcome to Ecclesia episode number six. So here we go. We're going to be recording live today. We're recording Sunday morning, and uh, we're going to be reviewing what we have discussed so far. And so uh, the previous five weeks of our Prevo podcast. Um, Pastor Larry, you want to, uh, first let's do intros. So we'll start at the other end down there, and we'll come back this way. And then Larry, if you'll do the intro. So go ahead, Kyle. Good morning. My name is Kyle. My nickname is Boo Boo. <laughs> and good morning. This is Kathy. Hey, this is James. Hey, this is Richard. And I'm Pastor Larry. We're going to take a couple of minutes and just kind of recap where we've been. We've, we've looked down two columns now. Each time from Hebrews chapter 11, we've tried to discover a principle to apply uh, to uh, what the illustration from the scripture is. And so the application side comes from the individuals mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And out of that, we've tried to discover some questions to apply. And then uh, collectively, the principles apply to all of the illustrations that are given. And up to this point, we've looked at three of those. And uh, for those of you here in the room, you can see them on the screen. The first one is that my faith has a dependency. It's not going to get engaged or become active until it comes in contact with a revelation. And revelation is... Coming to yeah, yeah. Coming to know something I didn't know before. Uh, some of you are a little gun shy. It's okay to talk out loud. No problem. Uh, so it's my faith has to come in contact with something it hasn't known before. And I've talked a lot about how that needs to be the truth because your faith can attach itself to things that are actually not true. Mm -hmm. And you can begin believing, even sincerely, believing things that are not true. It doesn't change the truth, but it will change you. So it's important that what you believe and how you believe it is attached to the things that are absolutely true. And of course, that is the Word of God. And so uh, we're trying to discover principles from the Word of God. And remember, I talk about principles being like a signpost. It points you in the direction that you should go. It's not like a fence post, which protects you, but also contains you. So uh, when we're looking at a principle, it's pointing us in the direction. If we can learn the principle then we don't have to live by a set of rules or regulations. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's the whole idea. And then, kind of like precept upon precept, the next principle is that revelation, the things that I'm coming to know, that I'm beginning to embrace with my faith, those require action. Um, I like to flip that around and say the things that we do by faith are revelatory actions. They're the responses that I make and do uh, in consideration of what I'm coming to know. And so as, as I'm actively engaging my faith, and I want to talk a little bit with you about that right, here, right there uh, in a moment. How, how is that going? How, how are your revelatory responses or actions connecting with the faith about the things that you're coming to know? And then when I start doing stuff, when I, when I start making actions or responding uh, the things that I'm doing in response to what I'm coming to know, those things are going to create for me relationships. I, I'm going to encounter other people. I'm going to encounter other truth about the Word of God. I'm going to encounter God in a different way. And so all of that working together out of the things that I do in response to what I'm coming to know, I get uh, connected with in the creation of relationships that I've never had before uh, in that process. And then down that margin there so far, we've looked at three characters out of Hebrews chapter 11. The first was Abel. And out of his illustrated example, we talked about what is your faith sacrificing? Mm -hmm. Remember, Abel had a revelation about 
the only way to have forgiveness of sins was through the shedding of blood. And he created for us the first example of the atonement that is, of course, a foundation of Scripture. Uh, how did he do that? He came to know something that he didn't know before. He heard it from his parents about how God killed an animal and covered their, their shame. And so in his process of offering a, a sacrifice unto God, he took his firstborn lamb, the most important lamb that he had, and he gave it as a sacrifice on, on the altar. Secondly, we looked at Enoch. Um, and remember what did Enoch do? He walked with God. <laughs> yeah, Enoch, I, I think, was the first and original backpacker. I love to backpack and hike, and I, I think he was the first and original one. And he wasn't just out wandering around. He was looking for something. He was looking for a relationship with God like he had known Adam to have. And remember, he was a contemporary of Adam, so he spoke with him. He talked with him. I think they had probably long conversations as he interviewed uh, his great-grandfather Adam about, uh, there were seven generations, so it was great-great-great-grandfather of uh, Enoch's uh, conversations with Adam. What was it like to walk, the Bible says, in the cool of the day uh, with God? And so he got a revelation that wasn't recorded in our scripture for uh, over 2,000 years later that God is no respecter of persons. That the relationship God had had with Adam, he could have with, him, with himself, Enoch. And so he began pursuing and walking, and, and the Bible says that it pleased God. In fact, that whole phrase that many of us relate to faith about, uh, it, without faith it is impossible to please God, is attached to the story of Enoch. So we get that principle that um, out of Enoch's life, I'm asking the question, where's your faith taking you? What journey are you on? Where are you going? What places are you taking uh, your faith to? And then last week we looked at Noah. Uh, and remember Noah built, of course, the ark. And it was for the purpose of saving his household, his family. And uh, out of that, the question is, what are you constructing? What are you building? What, what are you preparing? What is your faith causing you to make preparation for for future generations uh, along those lines? So let's, let's open it up now. And... Um, what are some of the thoughts or comments or questions? Maybe we've already had some come in through texting, and no. uh, we, can, we can talk about that. <laughs> One thought I had, just to kick it off a little bit, was that idea of, um, you know, that they please God. So Abel pleased God, and uh, Enoch pleased God, and, uh, you know, them having faith, too, that they were pleasing to God. I think that's something that sometimes we struggle with, that idea of, you know, firstly, realizing that I please God. How, how can I please God, right? What about me pleases God? But they, they believed that, right? Abel and Enoch, they believed that. Enoch believed it to the point where God took him, right? He didn't allow him to die. And I think it's, it's like C.S. Lewis says, you know, based on the gospel, you are what you believe, right? You're not what you eat. You are what you believe. And as whatever you believe, you're sort of becoming in this gospel. Does that make sense? And so I think they believed to the point they believed they were so clean and holy because of God. They didn't have a revelation of Christ, obviously, yet. But they, they believed that God so loved them and wanted a relationship with them, right? Uh, just like he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And just like after that, even after Cain murdered Abel, God was still talking to him, right? So, I mean, we could perhaps assume that God is still with them, talking to them. And since, you know, they can talk to Adam, too, and think about what that relationship is like. They can't go back into the garden for certain, but they could still have that relationship with him, right? Just like we have now, we can have now. Um, 
And I think that got kind of distilled over the generations where we kind of lost that aspect of kind of talking with God, of being with God, of praying to God, of having a, a real relationship with God. But that going back to that idea of you are what you believe, believing that God is pleased with me, not because of anything innate in who I am, but because of what is innate in who I am. It's Christ in me, right? The hope of glory. He's pleased with me because of Christ. When he looks at me, he sees Christ. He doesn't see my past sins. He doesn't see my past failures. He doesn't see future failures even, right? He sees me as a saint. He sees me as righteous. And therefore, why wouldn't he be pleased with me? He created me and he said it was good. He said it was very good when he created man and woman, right? Not just good, but very good. So... Why wouldn't he be pleased with me? And as I believe that, crazy things happen in my relationship with him, you know? I'd like to speak to the crazy things that happen. Whoa. So over this weekend, I actually got to go and play at another church. And it's my dad's church. And while I was there, guys, I saw some crazy stuff. And um, I want to preface it with that idea of that woman who just needed to touch the hem of his garment. That's where her faith was in that moment. She was like, you know, we, we all know it had nothing to do with the hem of his garment. It's just where her faith, where her belief was at in that moment. It was the thing that she was like, if I can just get this one thing, man, I know it. I know it. I can believe it. I can trust and know that this is going to happen. That was so, her revelatory action right. about healing. So. so at my dad's church, I... Um, got to play the bass with them and while I was there I went in and dad had shared this weird story with me a couple of months ago and um, there were some people at the church who had gone on like a fast and one day their bible started like leaking and it was oil that was coming out of this Bible. And I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's cool, man. That's crazy. Wow. Well, they had the Bible there at the church. And what they've been doing is as that Bible has been leaking, they've been collecting it and sending it all over the world. And then there are now all kinds of testimonies that are coming in. And it just made me wonder, you know, I asked dad, I was like, where do you land on all this, man? I mean, <laughs> there it is. It's like in this little container and you see this Bible just submerged in it. And every time they empty it out, like dad says, it just fills right back up. <laughs> it's wow. like, it's, it's so weird. And so Dad was saying, James, this right here, I believe, is, is a manifestation of God's Spirit for our people to build up our faith. God knows that just like that woman who needed to touch the hem of that garment to be able to believe, we at our church, we needed to see something like this for where our faith was at. And that our faith, since we have seen this, has grown exponentially because of all the wonderful things that, that are being sent back to the church of what is happening when people are, you know, praying with it, when they're able to, you know, lay hands on or anoint. They're able to know, man, this is, this, is, this is going to work. This is just where their faith was. And it was amazing. Uh, I had the opportunity to actually hear some of the accounts and some of the, the like doctor notes of what was actually taking place. And it's been just amazing, amazing stuff. Wow. I think it's important there too, and this is really cool because this actually answers one of the questions we've received uh, anonymously. But um, we've got to really push aside as the church, the big C church, the, the group of believers, in hearing a story like that, we've really got to push cynicism to the side. Mm. And that's going to take a conscious effort. Because I, I think that's really and truly the first step to 
growing our community out of something like that. Because I think, I think for me personally, a couple of years ago, I've been like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Even if I was looking at it, I would have been like, okay, how did you stage this? You know? Mm-hmm. And so that would have been the natural cynicism. And so how do we grow our community as a church through these faith steps? Well, okay, first step is you need to push your cynicism to your side, to the side. Because that's it's natural, mm-hmm. especially if you grew up in the church. It's natural to have cynicism. Um, so we really need to learn to push that aside. And, and I think that's how our community will grow through these, these steps, these leaps of faith. Yeah, Dad said that there were a lot of people that actually left the church because they thought that it was being made up. But then my dad was the source so, of, like, telling me the story. So I was, for me, it's, it's not that big a leap because it's like, it's my dad. <laughs> and you trust him. I trust him. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy talk. Now, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, there's a fine line between um, the actions that we take in order to get something from God mm. and then calling it faith, or that it's just a response to what we're coming to know. Mm-hmm. That's totally different. Yeah, I think that, that lines up with, you know, re- the relationship element. You're not in this thing to get from Him. You're in this thing because you want to be with Him. And then out of that, you're going to naturally find these fruits of the Spirit or these amazing you know, stories or these amazing instances that are happening or these great relationships that are coming to pass, you know, because you're being with God and that time with Him is, you know, overwhelming in, in you just naturally. Right. That's, a, that's a good flaw. I want to answer, I'm going to read one of our questions uh, that I feel like maybe we've touched on in the past, but we really haven't hit hardcore. So uh, I'll, I'll read the question, and then I'll, I'll let our, our group up here go at it. Uh, because faith is dependent on revelation, how do you seek that revelation? How do you seek that revelation so that you are sure the revelation is from God? That's good. Go ahead, Kathy. Because <laughs> you did really get on this before, and I, I, think, I think you would be good to this. <laughs> Well, we kind of talked about this in the last podcast, um, and I I talked about several years back when Maddie was little, something that the Lord had shared with me, and so it came from my experiences, what I was learning in our services at church, what I was learning in a study that I was doing um, on prayer, and so I, I had this revelation that God really does move and that he truly does heal. And we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. There's no formula. There's not a formula. So I'm not trying to give you a formula here. I'm just saying I had a revelation that God healed and had taken Madison. She was t- about two to the doctor. And the doctor was concerned there was something wrong with her spleen and that there was something wrong with um, her blood. David's shaking his head. He remembers that this happened. And I listened to what the doctor said, and I said, okay. And she said, these are the things we want you to do. And I said, okay. Went out to the car, and as I was putting Madison in her car seat, I I very, very clearly heard the Lord say, this is what you've been learning about. This is the revelation I've given you, and now there's an opportunity for you to walk it out or to have an action for the revelation. And so I didn't, I, I don't know that I had those words. I probably did at that time because I think you had already spoken on it. But um, so 
immediately there was this strategy that I was given that the Lord just laid out. And so I went home, shared it with Dusty and Cassie, both at home still at that time, and Larry. And the word was, every time you lay her down, you, you pray over her for healing. Mm. Lay her down for a nap, put her down for bed. Of course, she was, she was little, so she napped a couple of times. So we did that. Well, then... The doctor had said, well, the doctor had told us she wanted us to have um, an MRI or CAT scan or something done, and so um, we were going to do that. And so in sharing with Larry, he said, well, you know, honey, you really, you have this word from the Lord. He said, I believe that she's going to be healed. I don't know that we need to follow through with those steps. And um, immediately built up inside of me, I just sensed this, you know what? I need for my doctor to trust me, too right? I, I need my doctor to trust me as a parent. I trust my doctor. I mean, that's why I went to the doctor. So I felt like we needed to go through with that. Plus, it's going to be the proof of the healing, right? Or that, that there is, that the Lord has taken care of it. So we did. We go back to the doctor. The doctor tells me everything's fine and checks her blood again and everything's fine. And she then says to me, you know, you did not respond that day in my office, the way a lot of parents respond. She said, you were quietly confident in what I shared with you and what you needed to do. And she asked me about it. And I had an opportunity, so this goes to relationships, yeah. revelation, and then a relationship that I was then able to share my faith and that I could trust this God that I love and who loves me and who is good. Um, and um, see the result of that faith and that, that revelation of prayer, the, the purity of that. Um, I think you said something about it was kind of distilled, the um, understanding of relationship. Is that how you worded it? And through the generations or being able to walk with God, having oh, that clarity? Yeah, I think we kind of lost that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think what happened is, and, and that's, this is probably what's happened to many of us today still, is that we think it's about the rules and the do's and the don'ts. And no matter how hard we want to believe that it's about a God who's good and who loves us and I'm in relationship with him, we tend to fall back on the rules, the fence posts, rather than the principles, which are the signposts. And the signposts are constantly leading us to God and a relationship with him. And through that relationship, we receive, we have the opportunity to receive, dependent upon how receptive we want to be, but we have the opportunity to receive revelation that builds our faith, faith that gives us things to do and accomplish, which again builds our faith, and then provides opportunity for relationship with other people, but also it draws me back to this God that, wow, he really is good. I just walked through this, and, and I've been, it, it, my faith has been built, and that's mm -hmm. what this whole process and what we're learning is all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, uh, stop it, it's my turn. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, you're talking about the relationship aspect of coming out of that. That's so important, right? Because when we're thinking about this revelation, and the first part of that question was, you know, how do you know a revelation is from God, or how do I 
uh, you kind of addressed that. And also coming out of that was like, how do I get a revelation? We're not seeking for revelations, though, right? We're not seeking for knowledge. Just like in my relationship with my wife or your relationship with your parents or your brother or whomever or best friend. You go hang out with your best friend. You don't go hang out with them, go to the movies, and as soon as you sit down, you're like, all right, so what's, what's new? What can I learn from you today? All right, do you, do you know all your algebra stuff? All right, because I don't know all that. Go ahead and share some of that with me. All right, and then what else? Um, yeah, I don't, no, that'd be ridiculous. That, what a strange relationship. That's more like a, a teacher, student, or a mentor, or something else, right? But not to say that God's not our mentor, but that's not the only capacity he fills for us, right? He's first our father, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's about being with him, and in the being with him, in the wanting to be with him, and in the being with him, then we start having revelation moments, right? And then we can kind of test it with kind of what Kathy's talking about. Is it from God? But... But yeah, I think that's really important. We don't mistake this. This is all out of relationships. So don't get too focused on principle two, three, four, five, six, and miss like just kind of the start is the relationship. He loves us, right? We just want to be with him because he loves us. And then out of that, we grow, you know, organically. So. Coming to know these, these principles are to be liberating, not uh, restricting. So we don't do actions in order so that we can prove our faith. We have actions in response mm -hmm. to what our faith is doing already in us. Same thing true about Revelation. We, we don't strive and seek, you know, after Revelation, although there is some seeking involved. The Bible clearly says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it's tied to faith. It says, without faith it's impossible to please God. First, we must believe that he is and come to him. Well, that's a part of the seeking process, but it is out of that relationship. Uh, one of our missionary families several years ago, their youngest daughter, I think everybody knows Mackenzie. You know, she's the girl with the blue hair. <laughs> uh, when she was just a little tiny peanut, uh, they were at our house, and Madison had gotten a uh, blow-up, you know, one of those inflatable swimming pools, and it was in our screened-in room on the back of the house there. And uh, she was in the, in the pool, and little Mackenzie, I don't know, just a little thing, she wanted to get in there too. And so she asked me to put her in there. So I, I picked her up and started to put her in the pool when she, become, she just became terrified. I didn't realize she was afraid of the water. And so at that point, I had a decision to make, either not put her in the pool or go ahead and put her in the pool and let her get over this fear. And so she began screaming at the top of her lungs and kicking and water was going everywhere. And I put her down in the pool. Well, you know, it was only like a foot and a half deep. And when her feet touched the floor, her screaming immediately stopped. And she's right in my face. She goes, oh. <laughs> what happened? She just got a revelation. You know, and that's how revelation happens for me sometimes. It's in my pursuit of God, or trying to understand God, or just being around the Word of God, or even being around you folk, it's like, oh, you know, I, I just came to know something. Or this connects with something else that I've been wondering. And, and as I then begin to search that out and discover what is the truth, you know, for Mackenzie, the truth was that that was not a bottomless pool of water over her head that she could actually stand up in it and be safe. And it, it was revelation. For us, it's that, that same way. Just in my encounter, interaction, and relationship with God, I can come to know things that are game changers for me. 
And when I begin to put my belief and trust in what I'm coming to know, it merits a response. I begin to do things differently than I've done them before. And out of that comes relationships. So it's precept upon precept. And I think uh, one of the things that that I, I heard this weekend as I was at Dad's church was the why we're making those actions. And they were saying that a lot of times, or maybe... Maybe I shouldn't say why we're making those actions. Maybe I should jump to the next precept as to how those relationships are happening. Mm -hmm. Because when you start utilizing your faith in action and it develops these relationships, they were saying that one of the things that they have got to start allowing the Father to do is to drive them forward through that compassion. Moved to compassion on behalf of somebody else. Because as you're sensing that, you're, you're you know, letting God kind of download what it is that His heart is for that individual who's just as much an identity of Christ as you are, you know, motivated by that, when you see them in whatever position they're in or, or in a state that you know is, is um, something that just motivates you to, you know, compassion over that person, that then that, that relate, that's how that relationship's going to start. Yes. Very I, I, have, I have a question coming from um, texting in. I, and, and I want to put a personal spin on it. <clears throat> As, as, as the youth pastor and as someone who deals with teens a lot and um, on a regular basis, I see that this generation especially is not one that is being raised up in the church. And so I know that for us, uh, we, we have a tendency to use a lot of churchies words um, that really don't mean, have much meaning or much clarity outside of a church's walls mm. or outside of a church people discussion. So how do you explain these revelations? How do you, uh, how do you build these relationships with people who don't exactly understand uh, maybe, maybe new Christians, new believers, or someone who has no understanding at all of what Jesus has done? What, what do you, how are you guys finding the best way to uh, discuss these revelations and these revelatory actions? Mine's going to sound cliche, but I just rely on God's spirit in the moment. I, and I trust that since I'm being willing to be the voice at this time and share this, this revelation with a person or this experience or something that I just found out about God when we were hanging out, that I can trust because I'm yielding to God that the outcome that is taking place there is the outcome he intended to have happen. I'm choosing to trust that he's going to use me in that way. And, and so, I mean, I always get Paul and Peter mixed up, but one of them was like having to talk with these individuals that had no frame of reference, you know, and he was able to communicate in a, in a way that they all understood it. This is nothing, I don't feel like it's as new a thing as as we make it out sometimes. I think that that's the nature of revelation in and of itself. Oh man, I didn't know that. Well, there you go. Now you know it. Like, <laughs> I think that the terminology and, and the, the regard to which how that communication takes place uh, is something that we can trust God to just meet that gap. Oh, as a matter of fact, I do have a story. Yes. <laughs> I do have a story. Yeah, you do. So uh, my, I, I had a pastor uh, back when I lived in Atlanta who was in Mexico for a missions trip, and they were praying over a person. And as they started praying, he started praying uh, in tongues. And as he started praying in tongues, the Spanish person looked over at him, and he was not speaking in tongues. He was speaking in Spanish. Ooh. And he had never spoke Spanish ever. 
So I don't know, man. I just think that that kind of that kind of a intervention on the behalf of the the love of God's life, you know, the kid that he's trying to reach, he's going to meet that gap. He's not going to let some some flawed person misspeak. I just I just don't see that. I think that that God's there and can meet that that need, can fill that gap. Yeah, and that I think again that you know we use the identity word, but it comes out of that identity. It's it's not that that guy was striving to like make something happen. No, it man. comes out of who he is and resting in who God is for him, right? And and that God loves him, and he's just being who he is, right? And he's all of a sudden starts speaking in tongues, and he has no idea what it means, right? But God's using that, and God wanted to speak to that guy in Spanish in that moment. That's what you know? he wanted. So it's like Larry talks about. It's out of the overflow, mm-hmm. and that overflow comes from relationship. Yeah, and he got that relationship because he was moved by compassion on behalf of this individual. Yeah, because that was God's heart. Yeah, exactly. And it can be that simple. We just allow God to move in us. I remember, you know, and a lot of you have heard this, but you know, when Dusty and Marlena first moved to Africa, they, they didn't know what they were doing day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. I mean, literally, they they prayed at every turn of the day. They started their day with, okay, God, where do we go? What do we do? What's today? And then when they got to a place and they knew that God had led them there, then they did the next prayer and the next prayer. And they would have crazy experiences. Like the time they visited a church and somebody turns around and goes, are you Dusty and Marlena Harper? And they're in Africa and capital city of Tanzania with people that had met Vicki and Vince Welch camping in North Carolina, but here they show, I mean, that's how bizarre and how wonderful our God is. Mm -hmm. As long as we allow him and we walk in that close relationship with him, he will open those doors and provide those relationships and lead us to continued revelation, which builds our faith continually. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how receptive we are. How much we, you know, just want to be with him. And if we're growing in that relationship with him, we're going to see these things start happening. You know, the best way to share your faith with someone else is just to allow them to observe it taking place in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the best story is uh, not telling someone, but just letting them see firsthand for themselves that it works. That a relationship with God leads us to an understanding and that out of that, these things begin to grow and and, uh, develop in our life. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have to try to force it or, or make it appear better than it is. I, I can just be an honest transparency and allow others to observe what God is doing. Paul, Paul reflected that. He didn't use the word action like we do. He used the word works. And he talked about how faith, you know, you show me your faith, I'm going to let you see faith at work in my life by the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, by my works, I'll show you my faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, out of that, it's by the actions. If, if our lives are changed, the things that we do become different because of the relationship that we have with God, uh, others will notice that. And that's what Paul was trying to get at. It's the things that I do that's going to show and demonstrate to you that I'm a person of faith. Um, that I, I'm living that way. Well, what are some of the comments? I don't know if there's some more texting or maybe you just want to raise your hand. Uh, maybe you've got a comment, input, or want to ask a question. Let's take a moment to do that. Not all at once. Slow down. <coughs> Slow down. I have a, uh-huh. I need to go no, you're fine. Go ahead. 
Okay, let me let me repeat that yeah. question because um, I don't I don't just in case you can't hear it or whatever. Um, how do you uh, to the panel here? How do you help someone not try to live miracle to miracle, action to action? And they're not floundering. Go ahead. We're not we're not living miracle to miracle. We're living to be with Jesus. We're living to get in His presence and go after Him. All of the miracles and things around us, or all the great things, or all the bad things, have no bearing on our relationship with Jesus. That's who we're going after. Yeah, I was talking to a youth pastor on uh, Thursday this week, and we were able to have lunch together, and he was telling me about how I, I knew he'd had a lot of signs and wonders coming through his church that um, he personally uh, had seen God do through him, and uh, it was amazing and cool. Uh, not so much to him because he had the faith, so it wasn't like proving anything to him, but to the, the people who were being healed and seeing these miracles, it was it was a really cool thing. But he noticed how, he works on a college campus, he noticed how like, you know, in the fall semester when a lot of that stuff would happen, the spring semester, those same people that were there saying, wow, that's awesome, that's unbelievable, they wouldn't come back. Or he would he would kind of see them on campus and wonder like, what's going on? And, and they would kind of have drifted away from God or not really be interested in, in he would kind of wonder how in the world could they have seen what they've seen or maybe even had a, a miracle or healing take place in their body and yet they're drifting. And so um, we, we can start to live like that if we're not careful, right? And, and I think that's kind of what he was feeling like some of those people were doing is they were, they were trying to go miracle to mir from miracle to miracle or from experience to experience, uh, maybe getting it from him and then trying to see it in their own life or whatever, when the whole point is Jesus and his finished work and what that means in our heart and our mind, right? Um, so we can't, we can't ever get to that place. And so his solution was he started focusing more on like small group discipleship type stuff, like just really pouring into people's lives and becoming much more relational rather than experiential in the way that he was dealing with people and showing them God, right? He was showing them God instead of it being through miracles and prayer, more through the relationship aspect. And he was seeing a lot more fruit that way. Um, and, I, you know, not to say that miracles aren't something that can help our faith and aren't wonderful. And I think it's an expression of God's heart when, uh, when people get healed and things like that. But that's not the end-all, be-all, right? That's not what we're in this for. We're in this because of Christ and what he's done for us, right? The fact that we are completely forgiven of all of our sins. The fact that he has made a way for us to have that relationship with God that we, he wanted for us at the outset. He's now made a way for us to do that again, right? I'm, so, yeah. I'm sorry, I, but I got to say too, this is not a new question. Like this is not new. This happened to Jesus. Yes. There he was right after he, you know, fed the 5,000. All these people kept following him, wanting to go from what? Miracle to miracle to miracle. It was now supper time. That's right. That's right. He's <laughs> providing everything. And so, and then Jesus, you know, throws a wrench in all of that with, with the terms with which he's saying stuff. And his disciples are like deer in headlights. Like, what are you saying? Why are you saying this stuff? You know, and then Jesus is proving the point that he is why. He's the reason why. That, that they should be coming for him. And like, I even heard a teaching on the rich young ruler which has always bef befuddled me. I just, I've always been like, what? I don't get that. And but the statement that I think Jesus was making when he said, all right then, go and sell all your stuff and follow me. Because it, the first few questions that the guy was asking, Jesus was saying, you know, yeah, this is how you have eternal life. This is, you know, you, you follow the rules and do that stuff. And 
make sure you're doing that. Well, then the rich young ruler comes back with, but I've already done all these things. And he's like, okay, well, then you need a, you need a relationship with me, man. That's the, all of these other things, you don't have a relationship with me, man. You need to come get rid of your stuff and follow me. Well, and, and the other part of that is he really hadn't done all these things, right? Because uh, money and his stuff was his idol, the first commandment. He broke it, but he thought he was good, right? Mm. So, so Jesus was answering in terms of, you know, if you fulfill all these commandments, you are good. But the only person who could do that was Jesus himself, right? We can't get to God except through Christ. We can't get to God by being perfect because none of us is, right? Jesus. Like Larry always says, we were born with a navel, therefore we're sinners, right? Or we were sinners. He okay? says belly button. <clears throat> Jesus was providing him, Jesus was providing him a revelation, but he was not receptive. Madison? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I have to repeat that question. Right. Um, <clears throat> one of them, I hope. Uh, so she asked, what happens if you have faith and there isn't a revelation, or you have revelation and you're acting and there aren't relationships. So what happens when life? I got a question back. Like, when you're questioning that faith, are you having faith? No, I'm asking you. I don't think you are. If you're, if you're questioning faith, am I having faith, are you having faith? No. No, I disagree. Oh, snap. Here it comes, folks. And we're stuck in the middle. I have something to say before the debate. Um, I just want to say, that's not new. Life happens like Cain and Abel. A Cain murdered Abel. There was some life right there. And what, did he not come to know something even still in spite of that? And then, like, with Noah, the struggle of everything going on there, you know, and building a boat. What about his life? But he still built the boat. And then there's, you know, all kinds of people in the Old Testament that, that they had not good relationships around them. And yet, they're still the tenants of who we even look to occasionally in Hebrews 11 as having great faith. Like, I think that in spite of life, the fact that they maintained and persevered showcases just how distinguished their faith actually is. You're up. It all goes back, though, to the same kind of relationship that they had in serving God, regardless And yeah. can you have a relationship with him if you believe that he doesn't exist? Obviously not, right? And that's what Hebrews 6 is talking about. You have to believe firstly that he is, right? And I'm not saying you're going that far backwards, right? But then building on that, you get to that place of what are you trying to have faith for? And as you're doubting that faith that you're supposed to have, you're nullifying that thing even as you're trying to believe for it. Does that make any sense? That would be my thought. And then I just think too, like... We, we've said it a couple of times that the amazing miracles or all of these things aren't things that you're going after. Like if that's the end goal, then that's, that's not necessarily a good starting point. That the end goal is a relationship with Jesus. But out of that, all of these things really will take place. All right, Richard. My turn? Uh-huh. All right. I don't think you're questioning your faith. Does that make sense? I don't think your question is questioning your faith. I, I, that may be how you're viewing it, but I don't think by questioning your faith, you're without faith. Um, this, is, this is coming out of a discussion that we've had off mic at some of our staff meetings of this idea of 
questioning my faith and breaking it all down. Um, I, I think your faith is still there. I mean, you, you obviously have faith in order to question it. You can't question something you don't have in this, in this scenario. In my mind, in the, I, I might be totally wrong, and I'm willing to admit that. Uh, I have on this podcast quite often admitted that I was wrong. Uh, so I just don't, I don't think by questioning your faith that you don't have faith. And I want to clarify that. I, I, and I understand where Kyle's coming from. I, I see that. I just don't, I, I, I feel like we, we, we feel we're, we're making it like, your question was really based on something we, we talked about earlier, and it's a formula. Um, it's not. Right. And, 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 and your faith is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever your faith is on is based on truth. So I, I know you're gonna have these times where you're questioning. Okay, I have, I have this faith. So don't have these relationships. These relationships aren't being built out of these actions that I'm taking because I have revelation and I know that this revelation is based out of my faith. Was my faith true? No, 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 no. You can't work backwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you got to the point where you're taking action based on a revelation that came out of your faith, it, it, it was your faith. You, it, it, you don't need to turn around and question it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so I don't want you, I, I, I feel like we're trying to make it a, a formula. And, and I understand it's, it's our culture. It's the way that we're, for some reason, it's the way we are right now. We, you know, um, oh, I know that person. Click friend request. Now they click accept, and that there's this formula. Now all of a sudden we're friends, and we have a relationship. Now that that's just not how things. This is not how this is based. Like your faith is there. You you had to have you had to have faith in order, and it's dependent on that revelation. And so I I just don't, you know, we've got this idea in Christian culture right now where, it you know. If I'm questioning my faith, God isn't big enough to, to take that on. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, maybe I don't have faith in God because I'm sitting here questioning my faith. I, I, we've got to get rid of that mentality. We, we've got to push all that to the side. Okay. Oh, yes. Austin. Okay. Um, will you repeat his question, Kathy? Yeah. It, the question is how do we keep continue to believe for things or have faith for things when we don't see an answer every single time. Is that correct? Sort of? You want me to add anything? Okay. Um, Austin, for me, I think it comes down to what I really believe about God. Um, It's if I believe that God is good and I believe that his desire is to work through us, his church, if we are his hands and his feet, and he, he has things that he wants to accomplish, and he, he wants us to be involved, he's called us to be involved, he's asked us, to, he's given us opportunity to be involved, then if my belief that he is that he is good, that helps to keep me from stepping back at times when I don't see an immediate answer, because I can always step back on, well, he's good, and he's faithful, and his word is true. And because I can stand on those things when I don't see an immediate answer to something, or if I don't get the answer I want, I'm still able to stand on the truth of who he is. Even when the circumstances do not reflect what my hopeful heart wanted in that situation, I still stand on the fact 
that he is good, that he is true, that he is faithful, that he, that he is who he says he is, and that he loves me. And that's, that's where I stand. So I even think Madison, when we're walking through those times of faith, it's how do I see God? And so it comes down to me, and, and, and I think that all of us go through these times. Sometimes when we go through dry times or we kind of get so busy and we, we step away from those quiet times with the Lord, it is much easier for me to kind of step back and go, oh, well, this didn't work out exactly the way I wanted. Did I do something wrong? Well, maybe that has absolutely nothing to do with it. Maybe it just didn't work out because that was not the direction that, that God was taking it at that time or the circumstances. There are so many circumstances and factors that are involved here that that situation is not going to change on a dime, that it's going to take longer. But the truth is he is good. He is faithful. He is for me. He loves me. He wants to give me the desires of my heart because he's placed those desires there. I can stand on that truth. And as I continue to remind myself of those truths, even when I'm not seeing them, my faith is built. Yeah, I think that's a great point. That idea that, we, you know, we don't have faith for the end point of being like faith. The end point of being like more faith. It's, it's faith is built on truth, right? So faith is like a lens to that truth. And I think that password analogy was a really good analogy, and I think it, it really illustrates that idea of when we get into that mindset, especially with prayer for healing or whatever, we're results-driven. Our results are dictating in some ways why we're doing this or the faith or whatever, right? Versus the other side of the coin should be like, and I, I've gotten into that too, but the, the, when, it, when, <laughs> um, when we're thinking about it rightly, we're thinking about the truth of who God is, like Kathy was just saying. What is his will for this person? Does he, did we ever see Jesus walk up to somebody who needed healing and them uh, you know, crying out and saying, heal me, and him saying no? Now, he does initially with one person kind of to teach them a lesson, I think. But no, you know, it's, you know, multiple places in the New Testament, he walks through there, and every, it says everybody was healed. Everybody got healed. It doesn't say everybody except for one person who uh, he really needed to build their character up a little bit more before he could heal them, right? So I think, you know, once we understand the truth from God's perspective about how does he see this person and how does he see this sickness, Right? And we're focused on his heart in this situation, in his mind, and not on the results. We're focused on who he is and what he thinks about this. And as we pray that, we're praying his heart over this situation. And we just, you know, we let him, you know, work out the results. We don't know how it's going to work out. And, you know, hopefully it, it's, you know, we see the healing, right? Um, but we're not results driven. And Kathy was mentioning that too, right? It's not about what was the result. But the more we fixate on what his mind is and his heart is, the more results we see accidentally or as a byproduct, right? Does that make sense? And so, Austin, you, you, you shared a situation where a dog was ill and you prayed over it, but the dog was not healed. And, and you, you and your friend really felt like this was going to minister to that other friend by praying over him and seeing the dog healed. Perhaps really all it took was for your friend to hear how much you cared about him enough to pray for him that led him to where he was able to see God for who he really was. And it wasn't about the healing of the dog at all. But in your mind, in your heart, in your humanness, in your youth, you were thinking that miracle needed to take place in order for this person to then have a relationship with God. When God knew that wasn't it at all, that what it really was was just to see perhaps 
you and your humility and your belief that God would do this. That was enough to build his faith and bring him to the Lord later. Sometimes, remember, we're just watering those seeds. They've already been planted. All we're doing is watering. And we may not see the full fruition of that particular situation. The well, awkward moments when it doesn't happen. What I say is I'm still believing that God's going to heal this. I don't see it right now. You don't feel it right now. But I'm still believing. I don't say that just to comfort them. I mean, I'm legitimately still in faith that this is going to happen. Because otherwise, I'm shipwrecking my faith, right? And I'm not actually believing that. Because then it's like the, uh, the disciples that were down at the base of the mountain who, uh, you know, the guy brought the epileptic guy to them, uh, the boy, and they couldn't heal him. And then Christ comes down and heals him. So obviously it was still God's will to heal that boy. They just, for whatever reason, did not, could not, though they had been doing many, many healings up to that point, right? Many miraculous signs and wonders. Um, so it, I think, yeah, just that awkward moment, just, I, I'm still believing this. I don't know if you got the faith to believe this. It doesn't really matter. I'm still believing that that's God's heart in this situation, and hopefully we see it manifest, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, verse, verse 13 of Hebrews 11, which we will get to in weeks ahead yet. No, but skipping ahead. It says these, it's a summary, these, uh, the people who are listed have died in the faith. What did they die in? The faith. The faith. Not having received the promise, but having seen them from afar off and being assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Wow, that's pretty powerful. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland and truly if they are called to mind to be cut to the country, calling to mind being from a country from which they have come out, they have not the opportunity to return. In, in, in other words, it's uh, the faith that we've given. The Bible teaches us all of us have been given a measure of faith. So it's not a matter of do I have faith? I already have. Just recognizing that the scripture is true says I have faith. So then it's maybe this is a promise that I'm seeing from afar off, but I'm still assured and confident. That's why I put those words together. My faith brings me a confident assurance. You know, so I don't have to heal everything that's sick. I don't have to see every injustice satisfied. I can, from a distance, be assured that God is still God. Whether or not the prayer I pray uh, keeps him on the throne is of no consequence. Uh, God is still God, and so I am like these. Even if I am dying in the faith, I am still with the confident assurance that what God desires to do in our world is always and will always be good. Um, I think we have one more, maybe time for one more okay. question there. Well, this was something about, let's, let's do David, and then we'll go to Victoria for hers, okay. and then we'll close it up. This wasn't as much a question as sort of a sharing something that seemed really crazy. So, like, two days ago, I was going to bed, and I was reading my Bible though, beforehand, and this one part, it was in Romans 8, it was the part where we're more than conquerors, and God just hit me with that. He was like, you need to read that book that you read a while ago that was called More Than Conquerors, and I read it like, I don't know, like a year ago, and it was really cool, so I was like, oh, okay, I just did, it wouldn't leave me, when I couldn't go to bed, so I got up, and I looked on the bookshelf, and it was like one in the morning or two in the morning, because I go to bed really late, and um, so I was looking at the bookshelf, and I finally found it. And I opened it to this one part to like, I like felt from the Holy Spirit that I should go to this one part of the book. And it kind of, I read it the next day too, it's related to every single thing that we have talked about today. It's really crazy. Because like, 
was written by Terry Mize. And this guy has seen the dead raised. He's seen miracles of every type. He's seen he's preached, and then the people he preached to went and raised the dead. He's seen crazy stuff happen all over the place, all over the world, like in Mexico especially. And he was talking about how he would, like, one time his ears started ringing, and he had, like, he couldn't hear at all. And he had this horrible thing that happened to him. He went down to this big revival that was happening, and he had people pray over his ears, and it didn't get healed. Nothing happened. They were completely dead. Like, he couldn't, he still couldn't hear. And he was driving home that night, and he was like, God, what, what's up? I mean, I'm not healed. You, like, your word says that we pray and get healed. What's up? And God said, well, one of us is a liar. <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? And uh, God was like, well, I say you're healed. You're saying you're not healed. So one of us is a liar. Mm. So Terry Mize was like, okay, fine. I agree with you. I'm healed. And three days later, he was healed. Because he, he went home and he was like, okay. And he just like started agreeing. He was like, okay, I believe I'm healed. And then he just it, it started. Because he was exercising faith that what God was saying and what he knew God was saying was true, he saw that happen. And then later on, you know, he, talk, he also talked about how in his church, the people who prayed would see 50% of the things they prayed about healed, happen. And he, that was like a common thing. Every single person that would go out, they would see about 50% of the things they prayed over happen, which is crazy because Austin used that exact wording. And, it, and it's like, he said that, but he believed, he, he saw that, and he saw that they were living life mountaintop to valley. They were living it where if they saw something cool happen, they would get excited about God. But the moment they stopped seeing something cool happen, it was dead. They were just like, oh, well, God's not here anymore. So they just would get all depressed. And he realized they needed to rejoice in God and their relationship with God and to believe that he's there all the time. So he started doing that. And he started seeing miracles happen day in, day out, all the time. And it was crazy because he started having a relationship with God, and it wasn't just about the miracles. It was about the relationship with him. And it was he was believing that God wanted to do every single thing that he prayed about. He was believing that his word was always true. And that's just something I felt like I should share. That's great. Uh, um, let me say this on the 50-50 thing. You know, 50-50, uh, if, if you're praying and half of what you're praying for happens, uh, uh, one posture is to say, man, it, it's only working half the time. But a person of faith says, I need to be praying for more things. <laughs> <laughs> Do you capture that? That's where, that's where you can see the illustration of faith. And, and, and if that's the, the revelation that you can capture out of that, then you're receiving relationship and revelatory action uh, because of that. Right. Let's, let's get Victoria. All right, this is not a question. This is uh, in reference to what Matt was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, if you look in Mark, uh, there was a father whose son uh, needed to be delivered. And the father said, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I yeah. think it's completely okay to have unbelief as long as you're going to the father and yeah. saying, give me clarity. Mm -hmm. I need understanding. Right. So um, that's just something that was dropped into my spirit, and I wanted to share it with you. And it's not just for you. It's for everyone. Yes. Uh, it's okay. It's a growing process. There's things of God. God, that we cannot fathom, we cannot understand, so we have to ask for clarity, um, and then that will grow our faith. So, just wanted to Great share that with word, you. Victoria. Great. Yeah, it's really. Good. I'm never going to run out of faith. I'm going to run out of sunsets. I'm never going to run out of the opportunity to gain a revelation. I'm going to run out of chances to do so. so good word, Victoria. That's really good. All right, so we're going to close things up here. Uh, this has been really good. This is uh, this 
a lot better than I think uh, we, we expected. So that's really awesome. You guys sent in some great questions. Um, and so uh, let's, uh, let, let's close up. Thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in our podcast. Uh, uh, this is kind of how it goes, except we sit in a circle normally. So, uh, so here we go. We're going to uh, close it out right now.